0: to have you. Glad that you are here with us for the Sunday school hour. In a lot of churches, they've gotten rid of Sunday school, and I think part of what it is, is that they figured that uh, people are uh, just, they're just not going to come. They're not going to come an hour before the main service to be taught the Bible and that kind of thing. I consider it a privilege to be part of a church and be pastoring a church where people will do this. Um, and look, yeah, you know, I'm, you can go, well, pastor, we need you to teach. Well, yeah, but teaching to an empty room doesn't do a whole lot of good. So you guys showing up is a real blessing, probably more than you realize, uh, and uh, I can tell you that a lot of churches have gotten rid of Sunday school and they've gotten rid of midweek service, and and I, I think I understand it. I think what happens is pastors get tired of of maybe fighting and pushing and, and just saying this is important, this matters, um, and so to have a church where you guys aren't, you know, we're not pulling teeth to get you to church, you're just here, yep. is a huge blessing, and I, I don't take that for granted at all. Um, go to John chapter two this morning, John chapter two, and um, I do want to just give a real quick update. Uh, continue to pray for our church building. There's a lot of movement on that, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk more about that in the coming weeks. But I just want to keep remind you about that and keep praying. Uh, John chapter two. Look if you would at verse uh, number uh, 21. But he spake of the temple of his body. When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them. And they believe the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. One of the hardest things to do is to convince people that what God said is right. And people will hear things sometimes in church and they'll kind of kind of just gloss over. And I don't know if this ever happens to you, but sometimes it's even happened to me where I hear some biblical truth. And at some point in my life, something happens and I go, oh, that's what that is. Anybody ever been there before? And you can hear it, but then experiencing is something uh, completely different. So the Bible says the disciples really weren't completely clear on this until after Jesus rose from the dead. Uh, Look at verse 23. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles, which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them, because he knew all men, and needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. All right, so let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer and ask God's blessing what we're looking at. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for uh, that song. Lord, that, that song, if I could think of another title for that song, it would just be other things Christians should do and shouldn't do. Lord, I, We we our character, Lord, I know that matters to you so much. And Lord, I know that you desire to build that in the image of your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that today, Lord, would just be another step in that direction. That everyone that's here that is a born-again believer would allow the Spirit of God to speak to them and to work through them. And, and Lord, I do pray if there's anyone that comes today that doesn't know what it means to be saved, they've never been born again, Lord, they have questions about that. Lord, I pray that they would get saved today and that we could all rejoice with them. Uh, Lord, be with those that are sick and, Lord, those that are traveling out of country. Uh, a couple of families right now in that in that situation. I know Brother Felix dealing with some stuff at home and furnace or whatever. And I just pray you be with all the folks who couldn't make it today. And, uh, Lord, we ask your blessing on this hour in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, now, what we just got done learning about was the temple of Jesus Christ's body. I, I want to go uh, to one place, and then we're going to move on from this thought. Look at John chapter 12, and, and what I want to point out is that there are a number of things the disciples did not understand until after the resurrection. Uh, look at John chapter number 12, John chapter 12, and there, there are two uh, sides to this, this thought. The, the first side is more of a, a doctrinal thought, which is this. Um, people that say that, you know, they got saved exactly the same way in the Old Testament. looked forward to the cross, and we get saved by looking back to the cross. I know what they mean by that. The, the challenge is this. How can you account for someone not understanding the basic tenets of the gospel and then saying that's how they got saved when they weren't saved yet? Right. Remember, Jesus Christ tells Peter, uh, when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. All right? L- the New Testament, we've been through this before, but for those that are newer uh, on the subject... The New Testament doesn't start until the cross, and so everything prior to that is still Old Testament, and so oftentimes people will say, "Well, they, the disciples just trusted Jesus Christ as their savior. They, they didn't. That wasn't the message. They're preaching the gospel of the kingdom." Right? And so the, the, the message was really get ready for your Messiah. Oh, and you, by the way, your Messiah is here. You better get ready to accept him. And then when the nation rejects him, that's when everything kind of moves in the direction that we understand it to in regards to the church. Uh, look at John chapter number 12. John 12 and verse number 13. John 12, verse 13. Uh, they took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the King of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon, as it is written, Fear not, thou, da- uh, fear not daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh, uh, sitting on an ass's colt. Now look what it says in verse 16. These things understood not his disciples at the first. But when Jesus was glorified, that's a reference to the, the, the resurrected body of Jesus Christ. When you read the word glory in your Bible... Uh, in the New Testament, anyways, and it talks about someone being glorified. That's a new body. Uh, that's why in, in Romans chapter eight, it, it talks about the the, uh, uh, the the sufferings that we're going through, not to be compared with uh, compared with the glory which shall be revealed. And he's talking about you being uh, uh, your flesh finally getting removed out of the way, and you getting a new body. First Corinthians chapter fifteen. So what I'm getting at is this: His disciples, there there are a number of things that they did not understand clearly until after the resurrection, all right? That's a doctrinal uh, thing, but let me just say this as well. There are some things in your life that you can hear a million times in church, and until you go through certain things, you're not gonna get it. Yeah, you're just not. I wish it wasn't that way. I wish I could tell you that, man, as soon as you hear it, you accept it, you believe it, you put it to work, and it's done. Uh, and listen, that, that is great faith when it happens that way, uh, but it doesn't always work that way. Look at Romans chapter number five. Romans 5. Do you know what the disciples had to go through? Some hard times. Uh, look at Romans chapter number 5. And uh, you know what I wish I could tell you? I wish, I wish the process uh, to gaining hope in your life as a believer was much simpler than it is. Uh, but it, it, it just isn't. For me to lie to you wouldn't be fair. Uh, the truth is you have to go through some things to, in order to gain hope. Uh, look at Romans chapter 5. And look at verse number 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. There's that glory of God again. That's talking about the resurrection. We we rejoice in the fact that, look, there's something beyond this. Look what he says in verse number three, though. (laughs) And not only so, but we glory in what? Yeah, you know how you read tribulations just like... You know how you just read that? Like Eeyore tribulations. <laughs> like no one reads that and goes, Tribulations! Right? I mean, like how many people do you know who are like, My favorite book of the Bible is Job. Right. The guy loses everything. His friends turn on him. His wife tells him to curse God and die. His kids die. He uh, has these nasty, this nasty disease and he's literally sitting in a fire scraping boils off of his body with glass. I mean... That's my favorite book in the Bible, isn't it yours? No, it's not. Why? Because we don't, we don't enjoy that. But, but in, in, in light of the New Testament, in light of the resurrection, in light of eternity, in light of who God wants to make you, all right, the idea is this, you should learn to glory in your trouble, not because you enjoy the trouble, but because you know where it goes. You know where it can lead you. Uh, look, if you would, at verse number three. Knowing that tribulation worketh, what? And patience, what? And experience, what? Hope. hope. And hope, make it not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts, by the Holy Ghost which is given on us. And so the idea is this. Those disciples, there were things the Lord told them, and they're like, yep, yep, got it. And they did not get it. And the Lord knew they didn't get it. And every once in a while, he kind of call them out on that. But I think a lot of times he just let it slip and he, go, and he would say, you know what? They're going to get it later. Yeah, right. And I can tell you that that's a lot of the Christian life. There are things that you hear and you go, "I don't see the big deal. I remember being in Bible school. Go back to John chapter 2. And my teacher saying things and me going, I don't get it. What's, that's not a big deal. Like, why is that a big deal? What, what, what are you making a big deal out of that for? And then after being a minister, I'm like, oh. And, and I do want to say this as well. Uh, if you stick around in a Bible-believing church, not just this one, but a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church, there'll be many times in your life where you go, I don't get what the big deal is. And at some point, you're going to go through something, and the Lord's going to go, remember that message? Remember that lesson? Remember that Sunday school? Uh, and and the point is, just don't quit. Keep going. Um, because the disciples, after the resurrection, there were some things that they figured out. All right? So, uh, brother, if you want to go to the next slide for us, if you would, look at John chapter 2 and verse number uh, 23. Uh, notice this reference to the feast day. And there are a number of of, uh, uh, feasts that the the people of Israel kept, Uh, Feast of Tabernacles, you know, the Feast of Trumpets, and and, and the Passover is one of those feasts. But there was a particular day that was the the high feast day, if you will, and this is what he's talking about. This is the feast day uh, of the Passover, and it says this, Many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. Now, I want to be very clear. You may not think this is a big deal, but I'm going to point out something that I do believe is important to note in your Bible. Uh, The word in and the word on are two different things. All right? That one letter makes a huge difference. And they believed in him. Uh, You say, what was it they were believing in? They were believing that he was the Messiah. Uh, look at John chapter 20 real quick, and I'm going to show you that. That's the main debate throughout the gospel of John, throughout the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, actually. The main debate is, is Jesus Christ who he said he was? Uh, is he, in fact, the Son of God? Is he the Messiah, the the uh, uh, God manifest in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us? Is he, in fact, that or not? Uh, look at John chapter 20, and look, if you would, at verse number uh, 30. John 20, verse 30 and many other signs, notice, and we're going to come back to this thought, too, uh, about signs being connected with confirming the word. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe what? That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing you might have life through his name. Now, what, the, what what's interesting is this is uh, go to Acts 16, go to Acts 16 real quickly, one book over to the right, and you know the story about the Philippian jailer, and he asked the question, what must I do to be saved? And th- I think there's a, you may not, maybe you, at first glance, it doesn't seem like a big deal in versus on, but I, I do think there's a difference, and I think there's a difference because of this, all right? The, the, the subject matter is, do you believe in his title? Do you believe in uh, his person? Do you believe in who it is that he says that he was. Well, you know what he hasn't done yet. What he hasn't done yet is he hasn't died for our sins. Look at Acts chapter 16 and verse number 30. And what do they say? The Philippian jailer says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And what is Paul's response in verse 31? All right, and what's that word there? Is it in or is it on? on? On. On. There's a distinction later on in the book of James where it says the devils believe and tremble. They believe in God but they're not believing on the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, all right? And, and, and so at the feast day, they believe in Him because of the signs that He did there. The Lord was confirming His title. He's confirming that He is the Messiah sent of God, all right? But later on, after He dies for our sins, it's, it's a, a kind of a step further. It's not just believing in who He is. It's believing on Him for salvation, it's trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ, leaning on Him. It's, it's, the old illustration has been told a million times over, but I can stare at a chair and go, that chair's great. It can hold me up. I know that chair can support me. It was engineered very well. It can contain my weight. But when do I actually express my faith? When I sit on the chair. <laughs> I express my belief in the chair when I sit on the chair. Okay. And so before the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, they're looking to believe in Him as the Messiah. After the, the, the death, burial, and resurre- uh, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's believing on Him as the Savior. All right? Now notice this is the, Passover, uh, the Feast of the Passover was at hand, and they believed in Him because of the miracles which He did. Uh, I, I want to point something out because this feast day is kind of important. It, it shows up uh, three years later again. Now, I think I mentioned this before. Go to Matthew 26, and as you turn there, I think I mentioned this before. There are four uh, Passovers mentioned in the Gospel of John, all right, and that would account for the three and a half years of Jesus Christ's ministry as well. Now, that last one is a real special one. You say, why? Because that's the one that he dies on. That's the one where he becomes, or he expresses that he is, in fact, the Lamb of God, and he does that by dying as the innocent Lamb, taking the place of the sinner, right? The sinless takes place of the sinner, right? And so uh, at this last Passover, uh, that's when Jesus Christ dies as our sacrificial Lamb. You say, why is that important? Well, because they had this custom. They had this this tradition, if you will. Have you ever seen uh, uh, Fiddler on the Roof? Anybody ever seen that? tradition tradition right there's there were certain traditions that they had right and and here was one of them. Uh, look at matthew chapter number twenty six uh, this I think Jesus Christ entering in the temple and cleansing it like he does at the beginning of his ministry, and oh by the way. It's not until he cleanses the temple that he can heal people and actually minister to them. I know we talked about that. Great picture of your life. If you can purge some things, God can use you to be a blessing to others, right? And and so the Lord does that, and then many believe in him as a result of the signs that he does there. This happens around the feast day. You say, why is it important? Well, look at Matthew 26 and verse uh, number 5. Matthew 26 In verse number five, go back to verse uh, uh, two. You know that after two days is the feast of the Passover. This is a couple years later. This is down the road. And the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. Then assembled together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people unto the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas and consulted that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him. But they said, not on the what? We can't, isn't that, isn't that, isn't that kind of funny though? That's how religious people are. We're going to kill them, we just can't kill on this day. I mean, think about it. That's why you don't need religion, you need salvation. You need something supernatural to change you, not just a list of man-made rules. Now, uh, look if you would, one chapter over, look at Matthew 27, and look at the tradition that they had at the feast day. Matthew 27, verse number 15. Now at that feast, you say, what is that feast? Well, you look back at it. He's talking about the Passover. Now at that feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would, and they had and they had and they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered. In other words, Pilate knew the reason that. Jesus was standing there was not because Jesus was a criminal, but because the religious people envied him. All right? Uh, Look at verse number 19. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, uh, uh, sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas so on this feast day the tradition was go to John 18 as well uh, on this feast day the tradition was we're we're not done yet we just started just you know Um, (laughs) the the tradition was that uh, basically if somebody was there if they had criminals more than one criminal it was it was uh, the tradition to go okay we're going to release one of these guys into you now what's interesting about it is it kind of lines up with the idea of a Passover lamb and you know from the Old Testament, if you read your Old Testament, there's the, the goat, the scapegoat. You ever heard the term scapegoat? That comes from the Bible. All right? You lay your hands on that goat, and he carries the sin of the people, and they put him out in the wilderness. And it's a picture of the, the, the animal being sacrificed outside the camp. It's a picture of your sins being taken as far as the east is from the west. That goat was sent out, and they never went looking for him again. It's a good picture of that. When, when the Lord buries your sin, don't go looking for it again. Okay? Okay? So, so anyways, the, the idea was this, that he, the, the very feast of the Passover showed us that God would spare our, this people, the nation of Israel, and a lamb's blood would be shed in its place. And because of that, God would pass over and they would go free. They would be redeemed and delivered from Pharaoh and cross the Red Sea and all that stuff because of that lamb. So the idea was at the feast, well, we got this feast of the Passover. Let's, let's go a step further and let's release a prisoner. So now you got Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh, and you got a man that's guilty of murder and sedition, and who goes free? Here's a man. The Bible, look, uh, Acts 10 says he went about doing good and healing those that were uh, diseased. The Bible talks about Jesus Christ raising the dead. One time, a, a mom's crying over her son that's dead, and they got a coffin there. And it's uh, by the way, if you're reading your Bible, <laughs> the word. Uh, beer all right the only beer jesus touched was this one right here all right b-i-e-r and that's not a that's not a this kind of beer it's a coffin that's an old english word but uh the idea is is this uh this mom's crying over her son and jesus christ sees that he brings her son to life jesus christ goes to the grave of lazarus and the people are there weeping his sisters say if you'd been here he wouldn't have died and he never argues with those ladies about that by the way because it's a true statement if jesus christ no one ever dies in his presence you know that and so Jesus Christ goes to Lazarus' grave, and on the way there, after meeting uh, uh, Mary first, and then Martha, uh, he gets to the, uh, through the crowd, and he sees all the grieving. The Bible says in John eleven thirty five, Jesus wept. You have a God that can empathize with your trouble. Amen. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, he keeps your tears in a bottle. What a great God and and this savior uh, this this man jesus christ our savior sees the the trouble and the heartache and the anguish and he and because of that he sees the the pain and the the tears and the sorrow and he goes and and because of his empathy he goes and he raises lazarus from the dead here's this man that does all of that and at this feast day you know what they go ah give us the criminal yeah there's a couple lessons here number one the world is always going to go for the sinner over the sinless one, Jesus Christ. And th- that's, why, that's why, look, they'll, they'll justify all kinds of sins and wicked things out there. And then an innocent, sinless uh, man steps in the room and they find fault with him. There's something wrong with us, not him. All right. And when you find a problem with God and you go, God, why'd you do that? God, why'd you do that? The problem's not God, it's you. Amen. It's how you're looking at it. All right? and, and so you know what I love? I love this. I love when some person that has no use for God at all in their life, they never think about God, never talk about God, God's never a part of their language unless he's a cuss word, and then some bad things happen in their life, and they go, where's God? Why'd God do this? Now you want God? Now you want to blame God? He's not been a part of your life for your entire existence, and now that something bad happens, he gets the blame? What about you breathing every second, sucker, and never even thinking about it? You don't tell your your lungs, breathe, breathe. Your lungs do that on its own. That's because of God. (laughs) You don't don't wake up and thank God for that, but some bad thing happens, and all of a sudden, where's God? Now you want God to show up? (laughs) It's interesting how people are, isn't it? Here's Jesus Christ, and here's a criminal. You say, who gets released? You say, a criminal gets released. And you you, you 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 might think, well, if I was there, I wouldn't want that. Maybe, maybe not. You know what a lot of people do? They go along with the crowd. You know what the crowd's saying? Crucify him. Crucify him. And the further back you get, no one even knows why they're saying that. They're, they're so far away from the action, they're just repeating what they've been told. Isn't that a great picture of the world? Yeah. And, and, you know, people say, well, what, you know, what about evolution? What about evolution? I talked about this the other day. Apes can eat and, and breathe at the same time. You try that, you're going to choke and die. So we're better off. We evolved from them, and we can't do what they can do. Uh, All right. You you really believe evolution is true? All right. Prove it. Well, scientists, no, no, no. Show me evolution right now. I can show you historical proof for a man named Jesus Christ. You can't show me historical. Well, carbon dating is all over the map. All right, give me something right now. That pro- here you've got you've got the it, all kinds of the, the missing link. Uh, uh, thousands of years ago, all of a sudden, on planet Earth, people started talking. Based off of what? The historians can't tell you. They just know all of a sudden language shows up. Where'd it come from? Well, we evolved. Okay, how'd you? Tell me, explain language. Where does language come from? Y- you don't have an answer for that. I can I can tell you this. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We believe in a big bang. So do I. God spoke, and boom, there it was. All right? All right? But, but, but the, the reality is this, and I'm not just trying to pick on people, but it's real interesting how people all the time, they, they, they throw things out there to try to point out that God's wrong. God's right. He's innocent. You know what Romans, two, Romans 3 says? Romans 3 says that man at the last judgment is going to try to condemn God, and God will be justified. How about that? There you are, Revelation chapter 20. The Bible says, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And there's, there's mankind in front of God, lost mankind in front of God, floating because the only thing that's holding you up is the presence of God himself. And then God opens up the books, and he points everything out that you've done wrong. And you go, yeah, but you don't know, and it wasn't right, and it wasn't fair. I mean, can you imagine that at the last judgment? This is just a picture of it, and they go, well, we don't want him. We want him. That's one thing, but can I give you a positive spin on this? Do you know what this, this, you know what this name means? <laughs> it means son of the father. Do you know what happened when you got saved? God looked at you and said, I'm going to make you a son of mine, and I'm going to take the sins that ought to be on you, and I'm going to put them on Jesus Christ. And I'm going to take the innocence that's on his account and I'm going to put it on your account, and you get to go free. Thank God for that. You say, what happened on that feast day? Well, I'll tell you what happened on that feast day. The same thing that happens every time a sinner kneels down and asks Jesus Christ to save him. All right? Now, it's a great picture of that anyways. You know what's interesting about that? I have no idea what happens to Barabbas after that. The Bible doesn't tell us. I, I wonder if every time that guy went to sleep at night, if he had in his mind, I guarantee you at some point he's locked eyes with Jesus Christ. I wonder if every time that guy goes to sleep at night or wakes up or wakes up in a cold sweat in the middle of the night as he's dreaming and thinking about getting released and thinking about his past catching up to him, I wonder if he looks over and glances over one more time and sees Jesus Christ. I wonder if he ever got saved. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. What I can tell you is this, that on that feast day, Barabbas got to go free. All right, look at John chapter number 18. John chapter 18. Now, the feast day we're reading about in John chapter 2 is is, is a different one. It's the the first of the Passovers during the ministry of Jesus Christ. Uh, this one is later on, of course, uh, toward the, the trial of Jesus Christ. But look at John chapter 18 and verse number 37. Pilate, therefore, said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I'm a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilot say to him, "What is truth? What what a what a great question that is. Uh, that is the the uh, your my generation and their generation has been told uh, that there is no such thing as absolute truth, yeah. and basically it's just whatever you make it. Um, and And so the question here is, what is truth? And I think it's really interesting because when you push that thing and you test it, uh, I'll say it this way: any system that cannot be carried. To its extreme end, and you can't stay on, the, on board with it, you shouldn't follow that system. So, here, let me give you one evolution, survival of the fittest. Well, if it's all about survival of the fittest, then you know what that means? That means if I can kill you and take your stuff, then sorry, sucker, that's on you. Right? That means that I survived. I'm the fittest. I'm gonna, I will be stronger for it. The world will be stronger for having me leading and you dead. You go, well, that's a terrible thing. Can I, can, I, can I remind you that's kind of what Adam, Adolf Hitler did? Yeah. He believed that, hey, survival of the fittest. And you know what? It's my job to cleanse the races. Was he evil and demon-possessed and wrong? Yes. But was he following a system of ideology from evolution? Also yes. Oh, I follow the, I, the system of Christianity. It's, it's better to lay down your life for someone else than to be selfish and think of yourself. What a great system to follow. Right? And so you know what Jesus Christ does? He exemplifies that. Uh, Look, if you would, at John chapter 18. Look at verse number uh, 38. And Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and said unto them, I find in him no fault at all. That's the right answer. But ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. I like the P.S. in your Bible in verse 40. Now Barabbas was a robber. <laughs> in other words, just in case you missed it, this guy's a criminal, and they want to release him, and they want to crucify the Son of God. All right, The feast day of John 2 is the same one of Matthew 27 and John 18, just in a different year. Right? it's the same reference, if you will. All right, and again, what a, what an amazing thought in regards to the name Barabbas and what it stands for. Uh, look back at John chapter two, though. John chapter two, as we continue here, uh, you know who Barabbas is. Barabbas is you if you're saved. Barabbas is me. I, I, I got saved. say, when I was 12 years old. I'm Barabbas. I deserve to pay for my sins, and yet Jesus Christ let me go free. All right, uh, look at John chapter two. John chapter 2, and look at you, if you would, at verse number uh, 24. This is another thing that kind of, uh, and maybe it's just, just just knowing what's going on in the world. It's interesting because I've learned this. Man, when someone's got a coexist sticker on their car in a Darwin, you know, like fish thing, you know, usually they're the meanest sucker on the road. Yep. And all you got to do is get in traffic and watch them to figure that out. Coexist, like all live in peace and harmony, you know, everybody love each other and all that kind of stuff. And they'll cuss you left and right. They don't think twice about it. You don't love people. You're just jumping on a bandwagon because you want to get rid of this book and get rid of Jesus Christ. You know what's funny? A loving God, you know what a loving God says? You're a sinner. How dare he? What a hateful God. He's trying to tell you you've got a problem. If you went to the doctor and the doctor knew you had cancer and didn't say anything about it, you would call him, he, you would say he's malpracticing. You would sue that guy because he didn't tell you you were going to die. Or at least you try to. And then God steps in and goes, you've got a problem. God's a hateful God, and and anyone that follows him is hateful as well. Let me say this as well. Just because I disagree with your lifestyle does not mean I hate you or I want you dead. You understand that? Some, you know, some people need to take a chill pill, like literally take a chill pill because you are being fed this stuff in the world that Christians are hateful and they want everyone that isn't like them to die. That's not true. I can tolerate anything. You know what? I wouldn't have a problem with it all. I wouldn't have a problem at all with someone standing up and spewing off a bunch of garbage for one hour at a time inside of a college, inside of a college amphitheater. Give me the chance to do it for an hour as well from this book. Yeah, amen. They couldn't handle it, man. They couldn't handle it for 15 minutes. The tolerant, the world that we live in. You know, they're not tolerant at all. Uh, You know what happens? Here's what you have to learn. You either are tolerant of righteousness or tolerant of sin. You can't be of both. And so what you learn from the story of of Barabbas being released is the world is not tolerant of God. The world is not tolerant of righteousness. All right? And listen, Christians, you ought to be the most kind, gracious, uh, 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 gentle, loving people out there. But you ought to speak for truth. And listen, I, I think it's a great thing whenever someone can calmly say what the Bible says and someone loose I'll never forget, I've been, I was street preaching one time, I was out there, and I said, well, the Bible says, and the guy says, why do you keep quoting that book? And I said, why are you having a heart attack? What is wrong with you? This was a college professor. Real tolerant, smart, you know, educated, just an idiot is what he was. I'm sorry, look, I'm sorry, guys. If I acted that way, you'd say I was an idiot too. If I yelled at a normally, decently normal person because of my disagreement with their ideology and I screamed at them in public, you'd want to put me in a straitjacket. A college professor doesn't, they go, I'm just so glad he's standing up for something. (laughs) No, what I'm getting at is this. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. Christians, you better learn to keep your cool but speak truth. This world needs it. Look at John 2. And verse number 24, you know what Jesus didn't do? He didn't need anyone to speak up for him. You know why? Because he knows how fickle people are. Look at verse 24. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men. And he did not that he should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. In other words, he knows if I'm relying on you to validate me, I will not do what the Father wants me to do. Does this make sense for you as a Christian? If I need people to validate what I should do to please my father, I will never do what, I, what pleases my father. Make sense? And so Jesus looked at the people and goes, look, they're believing me right now, but it's because the miracles which I did, they are not at a place yet where they go, you know what, he's right, the world's wrong. How do you know that? Several chapters later, they crucify him. And so what you need to learn to do is this. Understand the Bible says that, that uh, putting confidence in, in man is a foolish thing to do. You need to put your confidence in God, Amen. all right? Do not commit. Listen, some people will sometimes love you for speaking the truth. Some people will sometimes hate you for speaking the truth. God will always love that which is truth, Amen. all right? And so when you're like looking for validation, and I don't mean this to be funny, but especially if you didn't grow up with a loving father, Young men and young ladies will look for validation from peers, from people of the opposite sex. And they'll go, "Do you believe in me? Do you listen? You need to learn right now." As human as that is, the person you need validation from is not on this planet. He's up there, <laughs> yes. and if you're saved, he lives inside of you. That's where your validation comes from. That listen, I don't need someone. To, th- that's why this this whole idea that this being kind of put out there for the world, and it's going to become worse and worse with every generation that you need to believe that what I say is true about me. Listen, if I said I'm a woman and Joe doesn't believe me and I get mad at Joe, that's not Joe's fault. I got an Adam's apple and he can look at me and tell that ain't a woman. Okay, now I'm not trying to be funny. I know where the kids are at. I know what's being shoved down their throats. I get it. But for the same reason, I can't be a cat and I can't be a dog. And I'm 41 going on 42. I'm not 25. I don't, uh, if I walked in and said, no, no, no I'm not 40, they, they check my ID and they go, y- how old are you? Uh, you know, when you're going through TSA, well, I identify as 21. Why doesn't that work? I mean, why not? If you're, if, you wanna, if, you're a, if you're an 18-year-old kid that wants to get hammered and wants to get drunk, why don't you just walk in the bar and go, I identify as a 21-year-old. <laughs> okay, so then why are we doing this? Right? Why are we, you know what those people are? They're people that need validation from you, and they're trying to legislate their feelings to be validated by society instead of looking in the mirror and going, Why do I need this from you? And even though you may not be trans or or gender fluid or whatever the stuff is, you may not struggle with that. Here's what your struggle might be. I need people to love me because if I don't have that acceptance from them and I'm doing what God asked me to do and they don't like it, I might stop doing what God has told me to do. And Jesus said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be that way because if I live that way, then I'll never die for their sins. I'll never redeem those people. I'll get nothing done. Even born-again Christians that have been in Bible-leading churches for 20-plus years have still not learned that. When they do a Sunday school class, hey, kids, do you like the class? Parents, did you notice me when you teach or you you help volunteer in nursery? No one thanked me for that. Well, I'm sorry, we we didn't mean to ignore saying thank you, but you shouldn't be looking for that kind of validation in order to do what God is telling you to do. And I do believe we ought to be thankful. I do believe we ought to be grateful. And I believe we ought to honor those that serve. But listen, if, if you're looking and just waiting for validation, you're not in the right spot right. emotionally, mentally, or spiritually. Right. If you need to listen, this is why social media has just exploded. Because people feel validated when they got more likes and more followers and more this and more tweets and more retweets and more whatever. When I get that, I feel like what I'm doing and what I'm saying is important. You know how I know that? If you're on social and you post something and like five people like it instead of 50, you go, oh, what did I do wrong? (laughs) Maybe nothing. Maybe you post it at midnight and most sane people are sleeping right now. (laughs) Do You understand what I'm saying? You don't need validation from people. Uh, look, at, uh, look at Luke chapter 23. Luke 23. Luke chapter 23. Look if you would at verse number 46. Luke chapter 23. Look if you would at verse 46. Do you, know, do you know the only person you need to commit, commit your life to and commit yourself to? Now you go, well, I'm married, so I'm committed to my spouse. I know that. I get that. But even in your marriage, the reason you, do, you, the reason you ought to do what you do in your marriage is because of the Lord. All right, And, and look at, look at uh, Luke 23 and look, if you go at verse 46. This is Jesus Christ on the cross dying. And as, as he gave up the ghost, as it, as it mentions in another gospel, uh, look at verse number, I'm oh, sorry, right here, verse 46. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my what? Spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. You know, you know the whole time, you know what he's doing? He starts his ministry going, I, I, I get they're all excited about the miracles, but I'm not, I'm not, not going to confide in them. I, I'm, I'm committed to him. Yeah. And when they try to make him a king in John chapter 6, he goes, Nope, it's not the right timetable. It's not my father's will. And at his, at, at, in the Garden of Gethsemane, what does he do? He prays to the Father. Not my will, but thine be done. When he's on the cross, what is he doing? He's looking up. This whole entire life, he's a pattern for us. And if you're a born-again child of God, if you're saved, you know what you got to learn to do? Learn to say this, I appreciate the brethren. I appreciate the fellowship. I appreciate the encouragement. But I know that when I'm following the Lord, I don't need validation from other people in order to secure my feelings because I know what I'm doing is right because it's based on that book. And that's where your confidence will come from. If you're going to get it at all in your life, it's going to come from you following what God said in his word. Amen. All right. Uh, look, if you would, at Psalm chapter 37. Psalm chapter 37. Old Testament prophecy. Psalm 37. Is this making sense? Yes. Hey, listen, we're human beings. We are made to desire fellowship and camaraderie. Uh, God makes Adam, puts Adam in the garden. Adam's got no taxes, no bills, no job. He's got no need for retirement because he's the king of the world. He's got everything that a man would ever want, right? Except for one thing, right? The Bible says that God looks at Adam, and the Bible says that he saw that Adam was alone and that there was not found an help meet for him. In other words, he looks at Adam and he goes, man, you miserable sucker. You need a friend. That's the, listen, that's true, right? He, Adam's naming all the animals. He's going, okay, so there's a boy tiger and a girl tiger and a, a boy bunny and a girl bunny. and a, He's naming all these animals. going, well, Lord, what, what's the deal? <laughs> and he's kind of lonely. And you know what God does? He realizes, first book of the Bible, man's alone. But he's got God. He's got all of nature at his disposal. And yet he needs something. So, look, we were made for companionship. God understands that. I'm not saying you live in a bubble, live on an island, don't care. You know, yeah, I got the Bible and God and Jesus and the rest of you can go to hell. I don't need you. That's not, not what we're saying, okay? What I am saying is this. I am saying that you as an individual child of God, you need to learn to come to a place where you go, you know what? I appreciate the encouragement. I appreciate the fellowship. However, my, my sense of commitment doesn't just come from you. That's why some Christians don't stay in church. That's why some Christians get out of church. That's why some Christians quit serving. Because they were looking to people for that validation, and when they didn't get it, they were done. You can't live that way. You won't do what the Father wants you to do. Look at Psalm 37, and look at verse number 5. Commit thy way unto the what? Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. He shall bring it to pass. Let's go back to John chapter 3. Brother, if you can go to the next slide real quickly. We're just going to dip our toes in the brim of the water of the third chapter of John. Okay, John chapter 3, look at verse number 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. How did he know that? Look what he says. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Look at how, now look, if someone walked in and said, I just really enjoyed that message. Thank you for preaching it. That was great. I needed that. I'll probably say thank you. Glad to hear you got a blessing. Um, I probably wouldn't jump to the the conclusion that the Lord does, but he's the Lord. He can do whatever he wants. And I kind of like how he handles this. Look at verse number three. Jesus, he didn't take the flattery or any of that for a moment. Jesus answered and said to him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Just gets right to it. <laughs> I mean, just, just jumps right into it. The, here comes Nicodemus, you know, you're a great master, we love you, you're the best, you know, and, and all this kind of stuff. And the Lord just goes, you need to be born again. <laughs> I, I like the approach the Lord takes. Listen, every once in a while, some people need that approach. Yes. All right. Now, now there, there's some, some amazing content in the next few verses, in the first excuse me, first few verses here in, the, in in John chapter three, I just want to start off with this. Nicodemus is named a man of the Pharisees, and uh, this is kind of like the last group of people that you would expect anyone to come and talk to Jesus from. But uh, did you notice when he came to Jesus? What does it say there? He came at night, right? All right. And so, why did he come to him at night? Anybody want to take a guess? He doesn't want anyone else to see him. Why does he want anybody else to see him? Well, to be honest with you, there's the same reason why some Christians are ashamed to be associated with the Lord. Yeah. You know, I've had people say, well, I, I believe everything that you're preaching and teaching from that Bible, but my family thinks I'm a weirdo if I go to a church that preaches it. I just don't want to get that close to the action. Okay, no, nope. Ameri- free country. America, I love freedom, man. Go, go, if you need to go, go. But I'll say this much, you're gonna miss out on what God wants you to become, because you're so worried about people and what they think of you. I, I've watched—I'll never forget. One time uh, I was out, and uh, oh, where were we? Oh, it was in Pensacola, and uh, we were doing some preaching out there on the streets. And uh, this this guy, this Marine, 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 right? Jarhead uh, came and started talking with us. Real friendly conversation. And his girlfriend grabbed him. I mean, this girl must have been like, I don't know. You would look big next to her. She was tiny. I mean, tiny. And Ariana's tiny as well. And this girl grabs this guy and goes, come on, let's go. And he looked at her, and he looked at us, and he goes, he just kind of, and I, I said, well, you know, if you got to go, you got to go, you know, that kind of thing. And, 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 and he's like, well, no, no, I, I, he's like, hold on real quick. He looks back, hold on real quick. And she goes, Do you want to be a Jesus freak? And he looked back at her and looked back at us. And he says, I'll see you guys later. Oh, now you would go, Oh, what a sellout, what a sucker. <laughs> you've all done it. <laughs> at some point in your Christian life, you've been put to a place where you go, Ah, hmm, I don't know. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll give you one. You're sitting there as the president of, a, of an association, sitting at a table with a bunch of executives. They put the food in front of you. What do you do? You know, well, you know, I don't, you know, you're supposed to pray, right? Now, you know, I've seen this done before. Oh, excuse me. Lord, bless this food. Please bless in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs) Oh, what were you guys saying? Um, But, but, you know, the idea, the idea is it it can cost you something. It can cost you something. Now, the Pharisees were one of the two groups, and we're going to close here. We'll get into some really neat stuff next week. Uh, the Pharisees, I pray that I spell this right, I think I am, Sadducees, are two Caesar, Two Cs, thank you. All right, so the Pharisees and the Sadducees are two of the primary groups mentioned in the New Testament that are antagonistic. Is that the right spelling? Is that, is that right? I think, okay. <laughs> it's the blind leading the blind. He goes, there's two Cs. Okay, he goes, I think. <laughs> uh, but the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they, they didn't get along with each other. They hated each other, but they got along for one thing, yeah, yeah. to condemn Jesus Christ. Dang. Did you know that is, in, in Islamic-run countries, you can't be gay openly? You know that? You can't in America. Now, why am I pointing this out? Because the far left, the tolerant left, will say, we don't want Christianity, we embrace Islam. And we embrace homosexuality. And yet, in Islamic countries, you can't be gay. Explain that to me. Right? Like, how does that, how does that, how do those things kind of, oh, we can get together for for a common purpose. Kind of push out Christianity. All right? Um, Herod and Pilate. They absolutely hate each other. Egos, like, through the roof. Hate each other, right? This guy kind of crowds on my style, and I want to be the king, and he wants to be the king. We're in the same room. It's kind of awkward. It's kind of like when two girls walk in the same room with the wear- same dress on, they're kinda <laughs> You know what I'm talking about, ladies. Come on now. You know what I'm talking about, right? If two guys do it, they're like, dude, <laughs> yes! <laughs> two girls do it, and like... You know? And so... Herod and Pilate... Don't tell me we're not different. Men and women are different, all right? Herod and Pilate hated each other, but they got along for one thing. To get Jesus Christ crucified. Now, now what we're going to learn next week is that uh, the one major... There's a number of major differences, but one of the major differences between these two groups was that they did not believe the same thing about eternal matter and the resurrection. And uh, this group, for example, believed in angels and the resurrection. This group did not. All right? Now, I'm so tempted, so tempted to tell us such a dad joke. Do it. Do it. Do it. All right, here we go. So the difference between the Pharisees and the Sadducees was the Pharisees believed in the resurrection. They believed in the afterlife, but the Sadducees did not. Therefore, they were sad, you see. Terrible, terrible. Let's end there. Let's end there, all right? Let's stand up. We'll have a word of prayer. We'll be dismissed. Uh, Brother Joe, would you ask God's blessing we just learned?